Welcome to JR Out Loud. My name's Judy Herman, and today I'm really thrilled to be with playwright James Phillips to talk about the Rubenstein kiss. Although we are in a rather noisy environment, so if you hear noises off and music off, as the play is about spies, then I'll just have to say that we're having a sort of rendezvous and the noise in the background is our cover, isn't it, James? That's absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. We're keeping our heads down in the corner. Absolutely, yeah. Well, actually, we're right at the top of a, of a club overlooking uh, Shaftesbury Avenue. It's quite, uh, what can I say, glamorous. It's absolutely it's proper theatre land up here. Proper <laughs> theatre land. So tell me, what first drew you to this the story, because it's a really horrible story, actually, in a way, isn't it? The one behind the play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, luck is the honest truth. This is my first ever play, and I, I became a playwright by accident because of this, really. I was an actor for a while, and um, I was doing a show in the West End, and between matinee and evening shows, I would go to the big big Waterstones in Piccadilly, other bookshops are available, um, and I would just flick through books and stuff. And I, there was a book one day I saw which had a photograph for every uh, year of the 20th century. And the photograph for 1950 was uh, uh, the Rosenbergs kissing in the back of a police van. And I knew nothing about them or their story or anything. I was the wrong generation really to know it. But it set something off in my head and um, it started there really. And I at that point I was just acting and just never thought I'd write a play but eventually I ended up ended up writing this story so once you dug into it were you fairly horrified to find that it was about this couple being executed for spying um, for, for the communists yeah I guess I mean fascinated I suppose is the right word you know I think it's a play it's a play about a family and it's a play about it's not a play about the death penalty, which is one way of writing this story. It's, it's, it's more a play about um, what it is that you owe to everyone around you. It's a play about what you owe to your family, what you owe to your country, um, and what it means, what does it mean to commit treason, I suppose, and, and what does it mean to be prepared to die for an idea. Um, so yeah, I hope, I hope it becomes a bigger story than just um, something that's sort of horrifying it's 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 bigger story than that i hope you've made it very much about family haven't you and about the effect on um subsequent generations yeah. so much so that you actually start with a subsequent generation so don't you in fact under that iconic picture i believe yes well two young people do meet under um a photograph of of two people kissing in the back of a police van the play has two time strands it's set in the 70s um, kind of just after Watergate and that kind of post-Nixonian nightmare and in the 40s and 50s with the, the narrative of um, the potential theft of the atomic bomb um, or otherwise. So yes, it's very much about, um, about two generations clashing and what you hand on and what that means and, and how you come to terms with the actions and the inheritance your parents leave you. Um, so yeah, it's fundamental to the play is that, is that idea of like crashing together. Um, and the time starts to weave together a little as the show goes on. It's not just the children who are involved, is it? There's a brother as well, isn't there? Yes. And you're, I mean, we should probably you know, talk about your couple, yeah, who are yeah. the Rubensteins. Yes. So, yes. But they are standing for 
Yes, I mean, I've taken a few liberties, certainly in the 70s. Um, so it's a fictionalized play. But yes, definitely following the lead of reality. There is um, a husband and wife in the, the 50s who um, are executed. And then within their story is their the brother uh, and sister-in-law and everything that comes out of their involvement with this this colossal um, cause celebre, this sort of huge um, case in the early 50s. So yeah, so at every, at every moment the story is about what happens to a family in extraordinary times having to make impossible decisions you know you see them in the house you see them at their table you see them in, in their actual lives so it's it's meant to be rooted in that yes but at the same time so it's not just about Ethel and Julius Rosenberg no it, I mean it's not just about that at all it's about all of the wider wider repercussions of the, those decisions on their f- the family and the generations that come after People have compared you to Arthur Miller. <laughs> That's <laughs> my, yeah. How bad is it's it? Very, no, it's very good of you to have my mother on this show. And, um, <laughs> bless her. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Uh, my son, the Arthur Miller. Look yes, absolutely. <laughs> she's very kind. Um, I send money every now and again, and it's all fine. But um, certainly this, uh, this is a play that has a relationship to Arthur Miller. And um, I th- he's a... A hero of mine as a writer. Um, so yeah, it's it's that's a very very kind thing for people to say to me. To do, I mean, we have to look at it partly in the context of the McCarthy witch hunts, mm. don't we? So it's your, it, but it's not exactly your response to that. That's just part no, of the, no. the landscape, isn't it? Absolutely right. So part of the story is set at that moment, um, but then alongside that, that you know, the play was the play was written. Oh God. 12 years ago I was a kid when I wrote this play and it was you know it was a play it was a post 9-11 play it was a sort of play about about the idea of divided loyalties and what that means what's fascinating to me now is how much more powerful those ideas are right now than they were when I first I directed the first production with wonderful cast it was a wonderful time I, I had with it but there's something interesting at this contemporary moment too um, which adds a great deal to it I think Yes, I mean, in, here we are in the age of Trump and yeah. Kim, Kim Jong-un and mostly, most of all Putin, I suppose. Well, Putin and Trump. Yeah, so yeah. do you think it, it's resonating with this paranoia of now? I think absolutely right, yeah. I mean, I think to a staggering degree, we have a, the President of the United States is being investigated for collusion um, <laughs> with, with Russia. Some of, his, some of the President's men are going to prison because of that. People have been murdered on the streets of, of Britain by the Russians. Um, it's quite possible that the Brexit vote was bought by the Russians. You know, these things don't. These things have a relevance which would have been impossible to predict 12 years ago. So that's fascinating, incredibly exciting, and um, and you know the polit- you know the idea of political idealism and, and how far you can take that and what that means and um, and also of course there's a background in terms of. The, the real story and, and in, in the play and at that moment I don't think it's entirely a, a coincidence that a lot of the aggression towards the Rosenbergs was because they were Jewish um, and I think you know clearly in this country we're, we're facing a significant moment of crisis about anti-Semitism so there's an enormous amount that suddenly is profoundly relevant to this this story in this play which is extraordinary you know one it's an incredible 
and strange thing for me to, to come back to, I sat in, in a rehearsal on Friday and to see all of these coming off the page in a, in a new way with this brilliant young group of actors is really, it's, it's an amazing feeling. Yes, I mean, we, well, I suppose we ought to be saying sadly all too relevant, not well, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Time. yes, well, exactly. I mean, as ever, what, what's what's interesting for artists um, in their professional life is a nightmare for all of us in in real life. So, yeah, um, I didn't aspire for this play to become more and more relevant as things fall, fall apart. But you know, here we are. Yeah, it's, it's had several revivals, very successful. There was one in Nottingham. Yes, there was a wonderful revival um, at Nottingham Playhouse about three years ago, um, which uh, did very, very well and toured around. And um, that was, I saw that. That was a great pleasure to see that. Um, and then various other things. It's been translated into Russian, bizarrely, and Japanese. Ah, now and that is interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that, does that mean it's been done in Russia? Do you know, I don't even, I'm not sure. I think so. Wow. Um, that was, This was a number of years ago, so I don't know where something happened within Russia. I have to check, <laughs> see what royalties came in. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I have a, um, I have a little folder on my computer with various, tr you know, translations in various languages of it. And um, yeah. they may be boasting they've recruited you. Should yes, probably. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> see how we go. Well, that, that, that's completely fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. It never really occurred to me until some some guy sent me a copy of my play in Russian. I don't I know. They invite you to the premiere then. I guess they didn't want to pay me, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, but listen, I will find out. Let me, before I libel anyone mm. or get myself in trouble, I will look into that more. Yeah. But yes, no, I want to know it's, about been, that. it's been around, um, yeah. which has been fun. Yeah, and Japanese, you said? Yes, I I don't think there's been a production yet. I think they were pl mm. they're planning one. Um, I was doing a job, something else in Japan, about a couple of years ago, and we met someone who, a playwright and translator out there, who had translated my play. I didn't know who she was. But... Um, so that was very exciting. So yeah, it's, so it's 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 been wonderful, the places it's been and all the people who've who've done it. It's incredibly moving and touching for me to, to have a chance to see it again. Thanks to them. Shall we talk and a little bit more about the the, the brother? I mean, I you know I haven't been able to, to read the whole play mm. yet. So um, I do know that I believe it was after the first production and. But, but within the time that he'd done subsequent production, that the brother did confess on his deathbed that he thought he'd led to the execution of, of um, Ethel Rosenberg. Yes. And he said something he shouldn't have said. Yes, absolutely. But, mm. I mean, there were, I think he, he a book of his came out after we did our first... Sh the, when I did the first production mm. and more stuff since then. So, yes, I think um, well, things will constantly come to light over time. But, yeah... Uh, so it's something that's still fascinating, and, and those dilemmas, incredible, incredible that, moments. Does that colour the play uh, at all? I mean, it hasn't changed it. No, it, it hasn't it? changed it. I think the play is what it is. I, th I don't think it's changed any of the ideas in the play, the hypothesis around it. Um, and one of the ideas about slight fictionalisation, such as it is, of that story, um, and certainly the, the addition of the plot in the 70s and all of the stuff, um, is it is itself. You know that the play is itself, and um, and it will continue, and it exists on its own terms. I think so. Hopefully, that mm. anyway, hasn't that made any you know great difference. Can we talk about this production and your mm. the actors that you have playing the part? So you've got 
I think several people in in the 1950s. That's right. And, yes. And is it only that couple in the in the 1950s? No, there's. No. Uh, I think there's four, four people in the 50s. Mm. Two people in the 70s and one person who goes between. Ah, oh, right, okay. I mean, he's, mm. not, no, he's not like ah. magic, he just he ages. <laughs> All right, that's good to say, yeah. wow. Well, there's no wizards in this show, sadly. Oh, right, so no I'll magic be richer if they, No, oh. I, that's, uh, <laughs> I've got a couple of other shows, uh, you know, of mine that are magic realists, but this one is not. No. Not Harry Potter and the no. Soviet spy ring, then? No, no, I'd be richer <laughs> if I'd written that. I'd be a lot richer if I'd thought of that, but sadly, no. Yeah. So, tell me about the shape of the play and the actors in this production. Well, they have some wonderful people in the, in the, they've cast. I mean, I should say, first off the bat, I, I've only... I've went along for one afternoon um, to sort of try and be useful and help out, but, um, but the casting is, into, you know, and all of the things have been put together entirely by... By Joe, um, Joe Harmston, your Joe, director. Yes, the, the director, um, Kate Plantin, who cast it, and um, obviously the producers. But there's some terrific people in there. Uh, you know, Ruby Bentel is playing Esther, and she's um, incredible fit for this um, for this part. And um, and she can sing. She's a beautiful voice, which is something that's important. For but it's a it's a big ask um, to get someone who can play a part that massive and can also s- s- sing that well. So that's exciting yeah. and. Um, there's some real talent there. There's a wonderful young young woman called Katie Eldred, who's it's her first job, and they've oh, found her out of drama school. Um, she's playing Anna. I think she's going to be tremendous. And and she's going to blow the doors off. And Anna is Anna is in the 1970s. Yes. So she Anna's. Uh, we meet her in the first scene of the play, where um, she's in this gallery in the 70s, mm. and she sees this boy who she kind of likes to look at, and um, all hell breaks loose from there. She would say, but uh, <laughs> it's a it's a big part, big part of the play. I'm so interested. This idea that I I've read, and I don't know if it comes over in the play, that you, you know, would be Esther in your play, but but Ethel, um, sort of went to her execution for love anyway, and she didn't seem to want to survive. And there is the picture is. Mm. Um, Oh, poignant, I suppose, is mm. the word, isn't yeah, it? You know, yeah. the idea that they only get to kiss on their handcuff and all the yeah, rest of yeah, it. Absolutely. So, is, have you sort of kept that thought? Absolutely. I mean, you know, this play, it's a, lo- it's, it's a love story, or certainly a series of love stories. Um, and I think that's, that's the centre of it. You know, it's... it's and it, I think all, all politics comes from the relationships between people around their own tables, you know, in the real world. It's not high... F- High, kind of flown and, and theoretical and, and, and nonsense. It's about politics. is is about how we treat each other. There's a line in the play. You know, loyalty is like love in action. It's it's about how these things happen in the real world. When when you have to make a decision, when you have to betray one thing or another, where do you go to find out how to do that? Um, so that's what what the centre of the show is. But it's it's. It's three love stories, if it's anything, mm. as well, this play, really. Um, okay, so there's the one in 1970. There's the 70s, yeah, there's, the there's a couple spines. in the 50s. And what's the other one in the 50s? Well, there's a, it's a, the brother and his mm. wife. It's, it's about different ideas of, of love and family and marriage and how, what you owe to each and what you owe to, you know, what you owe to your partner, to your mm. children, to whatever. Mm. Um, so that's at the centre of it. It's very, very much a human story. I don't like those. I don't like those political plays, which are about politics with a big P, and everyone goes along to agree with what they've just read in the Observer. You know, it's about that's not what. Uh, dra- <laughs> I love that. You know, I mean, it's not. That's not what I think my job is. It's to try and mm. expand 
that empathetically? What does it mean to be alive in those situations? Um, so that's the aim, anyway. You can tell me after you see it. If I, mm. <laughs> have I got it right or not? Let's see how we get. You have to presumably look, look at things from different points of view, mm. you know, get inside the skin of each person. So, yeah. as I say, you know, sort of what, you know, what it is that, that as I said, that, that makes your Esther do what she does. Mm. So, yes. And she, I mean, is she following more after Jacob? Rather than I think I think our Esther in in this production and in my production is is I don't know if she fully follows after anyone. She's a, she's a, a woman. <laughs> certainly she is. She's a hell of a lady, and, and I think in reality as well. So they're very much. It's about. I think it's about two people making. It's about people making decisions together, and about um, the fact that that they wouldn't do what they did without each other. Um, you know, I think I did lots of research for this play, but I think Ethel Rosenberg sang a, a, a song in court, an aria from an opera, when the verdicts were read out. Mm. And you, you don't need to know much more about a person once you've heard no. that. That's that's an enormous centre of, char- of a character. I think is there, which is fascinating and um, moving and f- full of strength and. And you know, lunatic gesture, and as well, it's all of these things wrapped together in a kind of wonderful way. Actually, that there is a little bit of the play online, and it does talk about Mm. her singing, and that's how Mm. they met. Yeah. So, which, so you've obviously kept that idea in the play. Yeah, yeah, There's lots that that she was singing in public in some sort of Jewish setting, I believe. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think, according to you, she wasn't going to go. She was psyching herself up to do it. Didn't think she would. And it's entirely down to Jacob that she did. And so, so did she marry him? Absolutely. Exactly. (laughs) That's absolutely in the play. And and that you know, in in this 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 story, they're they're a family that's always singing. You know, they, and that was, I think, part, partly true in, in reality, but it becomes significant part of this this story just because. Uh, I mean, I love I love music, and I love music in the theatre, but also the idea of it is the idea of her love for music for opera, and, and is the idea that we can be big inside, even back in the fifties, working class people who had very very little. That was an idea that she had that she was as big inside as anyone else on earth and I, I entirely believe that and I think that was crucial to why what happened happened yeah, actually you've brought something up there haven't you said working class people so the, we're talking about what is their background before I mean both them and the Rose before spying the let's say yeah. before the spying comes into the picture let's <laughs> yes. say before they become that's not exactly yeah. a career move is it no no um well, they were both. They were Lower East Side, second-generation Jewish immigrants um, who lived through the 30s. You know, the Depression when it was an obviously an absolute nightmare. She, um, she famously led strikes. She was, you know, she she had a real strength to her, and she was not prepared to, for her or the people she worked with to be messed around. And. They, they came from a, a literally very difficult and deprived background in an incredibly difficult moment of history. So that, you know, the, 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 your analysis of what communism means to someone in, in that generation or Marxism means to that generation is, is fundamentally different to what it might mean to, um, you know, whoever's saying, selling a T-shirt saying literally I'm a communist. You know, it, the, there's a, the, the difference between these two life experiences and these two people is an ocean. That's important, I think.
And have you kept that sort of background absolutely, for your couple? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's you know I think it's vital that having some sense of where those ideas come from for for all the whole generation of people who grew up in the uh, late twenties and the thirties. You know, and the, whether they're working class. Um, New Yorkers, or whether it's it's the Cambridge spies or whatever, that they they come out of a very particular moment, mm. and that makes sense of some of the decisions earlier in their life they make. Yeah. As time progresses, and this is something that happens in the play, it's harder for everyone or or anyone to justify some of those choices. The more that we start to characters start to learn about the Soviet Union um, as the fifties carry on or whatever, it makes it harder, of course, because you know. Read Solzhenitsyn. It wasn't. <laughs> it was. It was not well, ideal. Exactly. I yeah. mean, I've been, I've been uh, reading an awful lot about the Chinese era and yeah. the paranoia and the murder and the starving. Mm. He was no slacker next to Hitler, was he? <laughs> no, no. He said, no. Good God, no. But um, I think in the thirties, people did not really know that in the West. Mm. And as time moves on, they know more and more about it. So I think it's it's a very different intellectual kind of uh, and literal background that they come out of living through the depression and not knowing about the purges and the show you know the the the, the, f- the famines in the ukraine and everything else that was going on so you know it's 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 a fascinating parallel but a different moment in time yeah. and and quite honestly i think that the america was poised against the soviet union not idealistically because of human rights being violated but because mm. of existential threat as perceived by the West sure I'm sure mm. there's truth in that yeah. as well yeah so, um, so if you're spying then you know you're, you're, you may may you're well be bringing down yeah what, nuclear war on, on the world well I think that was definitely mm. the fear at that point and the and a reasonable fear you know when it's, it's a few years after the atomic bombings in Japan. People, you know, this is this is this is very fresh in the memory of everyone, and the, this new extraordinary capacity that we have for destruction is is new. It's not um, it's 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 not something people have lived with for decades and have half forgotten about. It was there, so you know, and the, the, it's a war raging in Korea um, as the mm. play progresses. So, you know, it's, they are. They are real, real fears. Even if they were misplaced, they are, they are completely understandably uh, exist in that historical moment, I guess. And in, indeed, in, in many other, I mean, subsequent historical moments as well, including sure. your 1971, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and now, as we say. Yeah. Don't let's go there. Yeah. Um, so, should we just talk a little bit about you? Um, so, you, that, this is presumably the only play you've written that's got a sort of Jewish background, is that right? Or the, I think so, yes. Yeah. That's true. Um, certainly, we, uh, with the... There's only one character in the play who's not Jewish, so um, yeah. Was oh, that the policeman? <laughs> yeah, it, inevitably, yes. Yeah, Cranmer. Yeah, Cranmer. I gave him the the name of an archbishop. Oh, <laughs> was that on purpose? Oh yeah. Yes, so FBI agent. Yes, Cranmer. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you're, you're you're involved in all sorts of exciting projects now, so community projects too, aren't they? I don't. I've been yeah, lots of different things. I mean, we've done we've recently. I've done these sort of shows in London, I've done shows in the West End. I've also done, uh, I did an epic show called Flood, which was part of the sort of centre of the whole capital of culture in uh, 2017. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yes, exactly. We did, um, so we 
we we built a floating city on a on a hundred meter square canal basin and um, part of which exploded and sank and we did a sort of a year-long four-part show some of which was on television some of which was film and two live plays and the cast of 150 and it's unbelievable but uh, I mean it was like it was the most exhausting thing that's ever happened I think to any of us but it was a, a wonderful thing with a company called Slung Low which is um, someone I do a lot of work with and um, it's a really amazing group of people so yeah a number of shows I think that's the third major show that's the biggest one we've ever done but the third major show I've done um, which was I mean you know the scale now is to a degree where I don't know where we go next Um, but but yeah I've been very lucky with having been asked to do things that are exciting Big and small, then. Big and small. Yes. Big and small. Absolutely. Back keeps in, you keeps you honest. Back to intimacy here. Then. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Well, there's only seven in this, mm. not 150. <laughs> and I cannot promise you a floating city. But oh, um, I'm very disappointed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but some wonderful actors. Okay. Well, I really can't wait to see it. No. Thank you so much for talking to me for JR Out Loud. Yeah, I really no. appreciate it. Not yeah. at all. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.